Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. It is over with, (laughs) at least for now. The early signing period for SMU is going to be a quiet one the rest of the way, with Wednesday bringing 12 SMU commitments, putting pen to paper and becoming 12 SMU signees, with two still staying committed for this 2020 recruiting class. I'm Billy Embody. Thanks for listening to the Pony Stampede podcast. We're going to talk a little bit about SMU's big day on Wednesday in which we alluded to it for a lot of you guys that are on Pony Stampede that it was coming. This type of a finish was out there for SMU, and sure enough, Sonny Dykes and his staff did a terrific job landing two very, very big prospects on Wednesday. I want to start with Danny Gray. SMU flipped Blinn Junior College wide receiver Danny Gray, the nation's number two junior college wide receiver nationally. They flipped him from TCU. They beat out offers from Auburn, Georgia, LSU, plenty of others that wanted him to sign late and to try to take visits in the spring to figure out where he wanted to go to college. Gray, the 6'1", 180-pound wide receiver, had been committed to the Horned Frogs since the summer. And look, over the last month, this really kind of came together. SMU started pushing really early on in this season for Danny Gray, SMU assistant Rashad Samples, Wide receivers coach David Grew instrumental in this one as they got Gray to 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 uh, to flip from uh, TCU and and for me this is somebody that steps right in and is able to to compete right away. He is he is a true difference maker. He's a 9900 meter guy from his high school days. He won he won the hundred meter dash his senior year. Uh, in the state championships as well in Texas, out of Dallas, James Madison High. So you keep a local kid home in a year that you lose James Prochet to graduation. And this is as big as it gets, I think, in terms of the recruiting job that Sonny Dykes and his staff have done to get Danny Gray on board. For me, I mean, he is the, the, the number one junior college wide receiver in the country done some film watching and I, I feel confident saying that uh, that he is the best I, I at least laid eyes on. I know Omar Manning gets a lot of praise and he's a number two junior college prospect overall who signed with Nebraska. But for me, the days of the big wide receiver, the 6'4", 225 guys, Danny Gray is, is ahead of Manning in my books because look, when you project him to the next level, he's the one that's going to jump off the tape at NFL executives and and looks like an NFL wide receiver at this point. So Omar Manning, great, another Dallas area prospect, but Danny Gray, what he put on tape this year is is unbelievable. So as SMU had flipped Danny Gray the night before, one player that was a, a really a longtime SMU commitment, we didn't end up saying anything to you guys, but and and, and I thought that it would probably happen at some point before National Signing Day, before the Wednesday signing uh, period got going. But it ended up happening on on Wednesday, and that's Thad Johnson, the Beaumont Westbrook wide receiver, big play guy, averages almost 20 yards a catch, over a thousand yard receiving on the year. He's on the four by 100 team for Beaumont Westbrook, which is probably going to win the state championship in all likelihood uh, in that event in in track and field. He is just he's just awesome. I mean, he, they 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 were able to get him committed back on his official visit in October. I I thought 
I thought he was going to end up committing publicly. He and I were talking about writing a story. And ultimately, he just said, I'm going to take I'm gonna take my time, take my time. Never took another visit. Uh, Tennessee was pressing for him to take a visit. Oregon had wanted him to visit. But ultimately, SMU keeps Thad Johnson at home, one of the best athletes in the state. Um, this is These two wide receiver signees for SMU are, are terrific. They are guys that are going to come in, and especially Danny Gray, come in right away, contribute at a high level, and and – and be difference makers. I think Thad will we'll see how with receivers you never know, but we'll see how he adjusts and, and certainly comes on. But uh, he is he is super talented. He's got a really bright future. So credit to David Grew for really locking him down as well. He was the lead on him for quite some time. And he just took it quietly. Everybody was kind of saying, oh, they kind of drop off. They kind of drop off. And from talking with people around the program, they just said, we're in there. We're in there. That was in the summer. They had him down for a visit in May unofficially. They used his official visit in October, and and it paid off. They just did a terrific job recruiting him, and and SMU's receiving core. I mean, you gotta love where it stands. I mean, Calvin Wiggins, Rasheed Rice, Kiki Burns, Reggie Robertson returns next year, and then you've got the tight ends and Kylan Granson, Ben Redding, and Kedrick James, and and they're all. I mean, they're all difference makers. They're all guys that can play, can run, and and certainly make a difference. So the the wide receiving room is in a really, really good spot for SMU moving forward with those two guys joining the fold uh, on the first day of the early signing period. And, and just a credit for SMU, uh, it shows just what relationships can do and, and beating out some of the big boys and who really wanted those guys to sign late and, and figure things out later on. But they said, you know what, we're comfortable with our decision and where we're going and, and we're going to go ahead and sign. On the flip side of things, a, a, a huge shout out, I think, to offensive line coach AJ Ricker and and the rec- area recruiters for the entire offensive line class. Guys like Josh Martin, guys like uh, Brett Lasher, the offensive coordinator recruiting Dalton Perdue and 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 Aaron Smith. Um, it just just terrific job. The, that class, um, it, it it to have. Set six guys committed for as long as they did, and then to add Dimitri Jordan late, he was silently committed since the summer, but to publicly add him, you thought, okay, somewhere along the line, one of those offensive linemen is going to go elsewhere. And they all end up signing. Aaron Smith thinks about signing late. Virginia Tech had offered him, never takes a visit, signs. Dalton Perdue, one of the more intriguing guys that was actually, I was talking with his dad, he was thinking he was going to sign late. Signs. Marcus Bryant, very intriguing, 6'6", 245, kind of how you draw up the prototypical left tackle now when they come into college. Signs. He was pretty under the radar, but but he got on board. Marcus Smith had, had thought about taking other visits to Houston and Tulsa and, and Southern Miss. He ends up signing, never took another visit. Ben Sparks, been committed as anyone in the class, maybe outside of Branson Hickman. He signs. Branson Hickman signs uh, alongside his his uh, Dallas Jesuit teammate EJ Smith, who ended up going to Stanford, um, staying home uh, from a TCU family and all of that. So, uh, and then Dimitri Jordan, who joins his Tyler Junior College teammate Devere Levelston, uh, who's a talented, talented defensive lineman in the class. That's a class that totally changes over the entire complexion of the offensive line room, and we don't know who might be leaving, moving on, things like that. 
But if you look at kind of maybe the the junior the redshirt junior class, you might see some some guys move on, and Dimitri Jordan kind of balances it out. You bring in a junior in a sophomore class where you only have Alana Lee and Jalen Thomas, so uh, they're going to be juniors next year. But but uh, Dimitri Jordan slides in there as a uh, as a as a uh, you know three for two. They have Thomas Shellmeyer. Tay Brooks and Daniel Sanike going to be redshirt freshmen, and then for Shellmeyer going to be a redshirt sophomore, and then they have this impressive class of of freshmen that what you can do is you can you could probably redshirt all of them, but in all likelihood somebody like Aaron Smith's going to see some time from from time to time. I think um, Ben Smart Sparks even uh, along the interior, and and we'll just kind of see how it goes. But they've got options, they've got depth. They've, they've got terrific depth now uh, at that position. So great job there for for the program to get those guys on board. And then defensively, you retool the defensive line a little bit. You get defensive ends like Mason Masteroff, who can play a little bit outside linebacker. And then Devere Levelston, who can play anywhere along the defensive line in that class. And then Jay Bell, who we reported on the side, is going to gray shirt and, and, and enroll in uh, next January. Uh, he's got a torn labrum, and so Pony Stampede subscribers have known about that for a couple of days now. And then they round things out out with Carl Taylor at the safety position, who's been super productive over there at Midland Lee. Been awesome, awesome, awesome uh, out of that program, and they produce great players. And then we'll see kind of what happens with Allen quarterback Raylan Sharp, who's going to take things to the spring and try to figure some things out. Um, and and uh, but SMU still got him committed. He's 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 pretty solid from what I hear. He just wants to kind of think things over. Um, I think one thing to pay attention is he's a terrific track athlete, and and so you never know. Maybe he ends up not wanting to to take a beating in in playing college football. But that's just kind of me speculating more than anything. Um, but I know he's going to be a a ridiculous track guy this spring, and so he could end up running big time college track uh, from what I was hearing. So. That is SMU's 2020 recruiting class as it stands right now. In terms of what they missed out on, I, I thought, for me, you really wanted to get a high-end defensive player like a Jamoy Hodge out of Independence Junior College or a Kari Coleman defensive end out of, out of New Orleans who would have enrolled early. And he ends up going – both of them end up going to TCU. They didn't get a, a difference-making cornerback. I thought maybe Jacorian Bennett would, the, would be the guy, but he ends up going to Maryland. And I think not great. That's one where you maybe wish you had an official visit still and you try to get him on board late in the process. But unfortunately for SMU, he goes to Maryland. He, he goes plays in the, in the Big Ten, and that's just kind of how it goes sometimes. But um, So moving forward now, guys, I think it's important to, to look at what they need. And they need – some sort of veteran running back to come into this class and and change it uh, and kind of balance it out with Xavier Jones, Cayman Freeman on their way out. Tamaric Williams hasn't done too much. So all you have left is TJ McDaniel and Ulysses Bentley, two guys that they think the world of. And I, I think both are going to be really good for SMU. But at the end of the day, you've also got to balance that room out with someone who's been there before, can tote the rock and do all those things. And so I, I think I think that is a key need moving forward. I think 
maybe some sort of outside linebacker safety to to fill the Pat Pat Nelson role is key. But they do have a lot of options. They've got a lot of young linebackers that they like. They've got some returning guys coming in into the fold. You can maybe move Trevor Denbo down from safety with the depth you've created created at safety. And then Sonny Dykes, when talking with us, uh, he said maybe a safety or corner. So just kind of anywhere. And then I think defensive tackle, they want a true defensive tackle type of grad transfer. So a lot of things on the defensive side of the ball to cover for the most part for SMU. They do have four-star wide receiver Savion Williams still out there, still unsigned. He's going to take things to the spring and figure things out. I think Arkansas, Texas, those are kind of two programs right away that stand out to me as as challengers for him. SMU thought they did a, tri- a terrific job on his official visit, but will it be enough to overcome Arkansas who retained Justin Stepp? Would it be uh, enough to overcome a Texas that, that is looking for another receiver after Quentin Johnston flipped to TCU. I'm not sure, but you know what? They're going to keep recruiting him. They've used their official visit. They're going to keep pushing, and that's all you can do at this point. So thought it was a terrific 2020 class. They went quality over quantity. They didn't really have many spots, and they'll be selective in the transfer portal once again, but a great job by the staff to address some needs. I, I do think you know, you wish you you could have gotten a true difference maker or two on uh, two more on defense. They have Devere Levelston, and 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 I think he's going to be a really good player, and Carl Taylor as well. But uh, overall, you've got somebody who's going to develop, take time to develop, and Mason Mastroff, and then Jay Bell's enrolling. You know, the next year. So, look, I think that's it on on the 2020 class. It's kind of short and sweet. But on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast, I want to go into a little bit of a preview of the Boca Raton Bowl for SMU football as they get ready to face FAU. Quick reminder before we take that break, subscribe to Pony Stampede. It's just a dollar for that first month or 30% off annual subscriptions. So check it out. Tons of people signed up during the early signing period. We had a huge, huge, huge day uh, on Wednesday, so we appreciate everybody who is reading on the site, all of that. Um, but with that, we're going to take a quick break from the Pony Stampede podcast and preview the Boca Raton Bowl on the other side of the break. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening. SMU FAU at FAU Stadium in the Boca Raton Bowl, 2.30 p.m. Central on ABC, and we're going to get to a preview of that game right now as SMU looks to win 11 games, becoming one of the few SMU teams to do that. This is a game that right off the bat jumps off uh, to me as a high-scoring affair. You've got Shane Bouchelle, Chris Robeson at quarterback for each team with with Bouchelle leading the way for SMU and Robeson leading the way for FAU. Both high-powered offenses that are coming off two terrific years both programs, uh, certainly in different places right now, though. You've got Sonny Dykes leading SMU into this bowl game in his second season at the helm, whereas FAU just lost Lane Kiffin to Ole Miss in the coaching carousel, and defensive coordinator Glenn Spencer will be taking over for the bowl game. And here's the thing, though. These bowl games where you're, you've are you got an interim coach on one side of, of things and you know a, a team that's kind of been going through just a season and, and, and is kind of rolling on its own, 
you never know what's going to happen. FAU, they knew that they were going to lose Lane Kiffin. They came out in the CUSA championship game and absolutely thumped a really good UAB football team. So for me, that that jumps out to me as a team that can circle the wagons, can get everything together, and can certainly win this game. SMU's coming in a little favored, I think three and a half points uh, on Vegas. Uh, has them as the as the favorite by and uh, and rightfully so. It's one of the most explosive explosive offenses in the entire country with Bouchelle leading the way with wide receiver James Prochet and running back Xavier Jones, kind of the two headliners there. While Reggie Robertson, one of their other explosive receivers this season, has been out really the back half of this season after he had a, a foot injury against Houston that has now sidelined him for the rest of his junior season. He's going to return next year, so if you don't see him on Saturday, you can see him back in an SMU uniform as one of the most explosive wide receivers in all of college football. For FAU, the thing I'm most most interested in seeing is if Mackey Award winner Harrison Bryant is going to end up playing in this game. He's, he's one of the, obviously, the best tight end in college football. He's a really, really uh, high draft pick potentially in the NFL. He's a thousand-yard receiver. So look, he's he's somebody that creates matchup problems, gives Chris Robeson somewhere to go with the ball that he can rely on, and he's gonna be missed if he doesn't end up playing in this bowl game. He's going going pro and and all of that. So he's got something else to look forward to, rather than what really amounts to kind of a meaningless bowl game. He's got the Senior Bowl coming up, and so if he doesn't play, that's a big difference for for FAU. But look, with Robeson. He's one of the most accurate quarterbacks in college football, passing for almost 3,400 yards and 26 touchdowns on the season. And if 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 Bryant doesn't play, they're going to look to D'Angelo Antoine to certainly make plays. He had a 75-yard touchdown in, in the CUSA championship. It's the longest touchdown. It's the longest pass reception ever recorded in the Conference USA uh, championship game, so we made a little bit of history with that as well. Defensively, SMU comes in with one of the best sack men in all of college football, Patrick Nelson. He comes off the edge kind of in a hybrid linebacker safety role, and he's somebody that just really has has been one of the most disrupted players in the entire country uh, for SMU's defense in, in general. And this is, this is a defense that early on in the year pl- was playing really well, they, they held TCU down for, for, for a low-scoring number for the Horned Frogs as SMU upset TCU at, at the time for the first time since 2011. And then kind of on the back half of the season, they ran into some trouble against Houston, against Memphis in their loss, against East Carolina. I mean, that was serious cause for concern. They kind of got things together against Navy in a way and made some goal line stands and, and some stands on fourth down. But overall, this defense has really been quite porous in the back half of the year. I think they're right around number 97 nationally in total defense, not somewhere you want to be as a defense by any means. But SMU's offense has picked it up a lot of the season, averaging 43 points a game. So if you want scoring, if you want touchdowns, I think this is the game for you. There's certainly going to be a lot of it in my mind. Vegas has the the over-under set at about 70. I think this can go over for you guys that are that are gambling on this game. I think... I like SMU to, to take care of business 41 or 42, 31, somewhere around in there. So just hit the over. Wouldn't su- surprise me if there's kind of a garbage time touchdown that maybe even 
uh, gives you a little bit more breathing room on that for either team. When I look at the the two players that have to play well, for me, it is it is Chris Robeson. If you're without Harrison Bryant on offense for FAU, he's going to have to do some things that really that really can can take over this game because it's going to be on his shoulders. He's got a, a couple of really good running backs in Malcolm Davidson and James Charles, but in reality, it's going to start and stop with your quarterback because SMU is going to have to put up points, or SMU can put up points, will most likely put up points with Bouchelle and that offense. And on the flip side of things, Patrick Nelson, I mentioned him as being an X-factor, but for me, I'm going to go – with Delonte Scott, the defensive end, who's going to be playing in his final game as an SMU Mustang. He's somebody that has played really well in the back half of the season, always seems to come up with key stops in key moments. I look for him to do that as SMU's defense, I think will give up plenty of yards, but one thing they've done well at times this year is get off the field in critical situations. I think he's going to be key to doing that. That'll do it for this edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. We appreciate you guys listening. Don't forget to tune in SMU takes on Georgia Friday night in basketball, the first game since that debacle for the Mustangs against Georgetown. So we'll see Isaiah Chasey in action for the first time as SMU travels to take on what could be potential number one pick in the NBA draft, Anthony Edwards and the Bulldogs. 6 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network in Athens. We'll have your coverage for you guys Friday night. Check out the game preview on Pony Stampede as well. But keep it locked to Pony Stampede on on Saturday for coverage of the Boca Raton Bowl. I'll be in sunny Boca Raton, hopefully, uh, for that one as SMU looks to close out the season with an 11-2 record against FAU. So with that, guys, hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the pod, and thanks for listening.